0: This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Canis Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage moving hand. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Yobart and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van and shortly and of course during the show we'll be joined by our 250 game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy and our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson. Now when we started Box to Box back in 2015 one of the first guests to appear as a regular was Socceroo Jackson Irvine. We followed his club career from Ross County to Burton Albion, then Hull City, all the while his international career bloomed, highlighted at the World Cup in Russia 2018, where Derek and I weren't there. But Michael, Willem, and Dino all watched him go through his paces as a used substitute in all three matches. And this week, after an eight month hiatus that saw Jackson's career in a COVID related twilight zone, we're going to catch up with him to find out just how he managed to get through such a precarious phase of his career and just how much he's loving it back on the park at Hibs. And of course, we will wrap up the hour, as we always do, with a close look at what's shaping up to be a cracking season of the A League. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest in soccer and Matilda Central. And And then, with the state government's decision about a week ago to grant planning permission for Western United's proposed site for their home ground at Tarnit, good things are happening there for the Nero Verde. Michael, a big week in football. I'll ask Willem who the Neroviti are in a moment. I think he might just know who they are. But uh, looking forward to talking to Jackson after such a long break. Uh, we left him alone for a while. We were tempted to ask him, but, you know, it was a tricky situation for the young fella, so it would be great to talk to him.
2: Yeah, looking forward to talk to Jackson. Jackson's a great friend of the program, and um, everybody has high hopes for Jackson and his international career with the Socceroos. And he's gone back to his second home, hasn't he, Rob? Uh, Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, where he will get a warm embrace. And he's teamed up with Martin Boyle, and they've already yep. formed a good partnership on the field. But... Also looking forward to Willem's new segment because no doubt he'll reflect on Matt Simon's 200 games with mm-hmm. Central Coast and wasn't that a uh, an emotional roller coaster ride for all Central Coast fans but including the Simon family who uh, their club uh, got off the canvas 2-0 down to 3-2 and mm. Alan Stagic or Stage as he's called now, I think mm. the, he wants us to pronounce his name Stage, um, he will be smiling from ear to ear because he's got them purring beautifully and uh, and well and well and truly uh, They're in the hunt for finals So Willem You must have some news
1: Well before he does He's going to answer the question The cryptic clue
3: It'd have to be Sassuolo, Wouldn't it Rob?
1: Of course it would The red and black As uh, Damien Tardio sits there Chuckling away of course With his Italian roots He knew the moment I said it So um, yeah Looking forward to talking to Steve Horvath later on the show Because uh, yeah we, we were waiting for this news And it's come through But Willem Go ahead Bun.
3: Central Coast Mariners Have shot back to the top Of the A-League ladder With a 3-2 win over Melbourne City In as you mentioned Michael Matt Simon's 200th game For the club Simon helped the club back to parity after going two down, laying off an assist before drawing and converting a penalty. Ten minutes from time, Danny De Silva stepped up with a bomb to seal the three points.
1: Danny De Silva pinches it off Luna, toes it through to Qual, he makes a nuisance of himself. Maybe Curtis could 100% fit, gets that but Danny De Silva pumps on and blasts
3: it home. Rob, they have been the story of the season so far for mine in the A-League. Matt Simon, I think it's probably fair to say, has looked finished at times across the past 18 months, but he's just turned 35. He's playing some of his best stuff. And as you mentioned, Michael, uh, a little... Notice at the end of the, uh, the broadcast last night that his Shaka celebration is for his daughter who had some issues at the start of her life and they're all very pleased that she's still with him and that's a little tribute to her.
2: Certainly is, but um, Matt Simon, much loved right throughout the competition even. There were so many uh, tweets from uh, some of his opponents that he's played against and uh, former teammates, but um, some fantastic uh, memories uh, that he created for his family. Rob, you must um, you must have uh, felt the the love in the in the room for Central Coast and Matt Simon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know everyone on this uh, show knows I've got a soft spot for the Central Coast. Uh, they are. Uh uh, a team that represents a region that doesn't have any other sporting side. And for a guy like Matt Simon, who's such a stalwart of that club, yes, he did go to Sydney FC for a little while, but he's, uh, he's yellow and black through and through. And to, to reach that milestone with a win against a genuine contender at home in a team that's just defying all expectations, it's a great story.
3: Green Senator Sarah Hanson young has again slammed Fox Sports with their coverage of the W League following last week's gaffe that saw the broadcast cut to a crew member on a webcam. It was the latest in a string of errors that seem incongruous with the $40 million the federal government handed to Fox to broadcast women's sport. Hanson Young called the errors disrespectful to players and fans. Earlier last week, Fox apologised for what they called two one-off incidents, which I found amusing terminology. Rob, um, it couldn't get any worse, Michael, could it? Until last Friday night, we got introduced to Tuba Man.
2: Well, it's happened on Melbourne Victory Broadcast, and everybody in this show will know my uh, involvement with women's football, and obviously uh, uh, with Melina Ayres... Uh, and Paige is always to take a close look at what's happening at Melbourne Victory and it's happened two weeks in a row and all I can say is uh, without pulling any punches, you know um, the, the media world's a small world but uh, Fox Sports, are uh, they have probably got women's football at the very bottom of the barrel in terms of priorities and it doesn't happen for the Women's Rugby League uh, on Fox Sports and it doesn't happen for women's cricket on Fox Sports but it just seems to happen regularly for soccer or for mm-hmm. our, our game football on Fox Sports. They really need to lift their game. Sarah Hanson-Young, there is uh, most of what she says, I completely disagree with, but that one, mm. I do agree.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is that, um, on the one hand, they uh, they have actually uh, committed to broadcasting more women's games, but if you're going to do it, you just got to do it right. They're not using NEP, but or even them. when
2: it goes well for them, they've got one camera. Yeah, um, the the no replays. Um, you know, uh, dubious sound effects. You know, there's there's so many problems
1: with the broadcast. Mate, I'm not I'm not um, justifying anything that's gone on. It's a it's a, a, a Shocking state of affairs, and hopefully, you know, you get to the rock bottom, and you you get better. Someone surely having said that, to be massively. When impressed.
2: the football was on last week, it was fantastic, mm. and I've got a big shout out to Dom Ronaldo, good mate of mine, who was uh, calling the the W League for in Adelaide for Fox Sports, and Robbie Cornthwaite, who did a fabulous job, mm. awesome research on all of the players, and they really added to the to the broadcast. So it was a good product when we, we saw it. We just, I think, it, we'd love to see two cameras at these games. though, right.
3: The Australian Professional Leagues have announced their first appointments since taking control of Australia's four domestic leagues. Ant Hearn will lead the APL's commercial activities, including marketing, sponsorships and rights negotiations, having previously worked for Foxtel's streaming service, Stream Michael Tangay will join as st- uh, strategy and digital director, having spent 10 years at New York-based Nielsen Sports. He's worked with the NBA, NFL, MLB, PGA and MLS. Michael, they are quite the resumes and they seem to be appointments that have been taken well by the public even though most people may not actually be aware of who specifically these guys are.
2: Yeah, I don't know these guys at all, but I uh, only read the press release in there. Resumes and a couple of chats to a few people during the week said that they're very impressive appointments. So um, that's pretty pretty impressive announcements. And uh, if uh, they can continue along those those types of people that desperately needed in this game to help lift it and uh, and uh, get a return for all the investors in the game, the fans and uh, and the owners. So um, yeah, well done to the professional clubs and the people behind that decision. And um, I'm looking forward to the impact that they'll make in in due course.
3: Western Sydney have regained their biggest loss from the last off-season, with Mitch Duke to return to the club on loan from Altawan. The former skipper scored 18 goals in 37 matches in his previous stint at the club before signing a two-year deal in Saudi Arabia last August. He returns, Rob, having not played since January and will have to complete 14 days of quarantine before being available to Carl Robinson. And I think it's really important because we saw last week against the Jets for the fact that they've got a new club and there's a good feeling around the Mm -hmm. Wanderers. They always seem to regenerate. They can't execute, they can't put the foot on the throat, they let the Jets right back into that and in the end we're probably lucky to get a point, I think, and Duke is one character who can remedy that, I think.
1: Yeah, that was a massive uh, loss when we first heard he was leaving, uh, especially with uh, a new regime coming into the club, they, at the time, talked about finding replacements and uh, the only replacement they could find was him, which is uh, great to see, so... Wanderers are going okay uh, with expectations for a far better back end of the season than is going along right now, so Mitch sure will only be um, positive news on the park when he arrives.
3: Major sponsors of the Tokyo Olympics have begun scaling back advertising campaigns and delaying marketing events amid increasing concerns about July's Games. Anonymous discussions with 200 sources have revealed sponsors have been discouraged from contingency planning despite national cases hitting record numbers in January. A survey has revealed 80% of the Japanese public think the game should now be delayed or cancelled. Michael, it seems that this no plan B remains to be the party line for now, filling out more of what we heard last week from the Japanese Prime Minister.
2: Obviously, um, everybody would be aware of the the, um, the challenges that the Australian Open Tennis is facing at the moment with a, an infection um, um, outbreak, albeit just one positive case as we record this program on Thursday evening. Uh, that may change in time, but I think the biggest problem for the Olympics is the public sentiment in Japan is turning. And when uh, when you read reports like that, that sponsors are pulling, you know, the pre-event advertising because of uh, reputational damage. I think it's uh, it sends a uh, uh, worrying messages for any athletes around the world that are hoping that the Olympics will go ahead. Uh, I think it's in grave doubt.
1: Yeah, let's just watch this space. I think the the next two weeks, how the Australian Open plays out, and uh, whether we get through the tournament uh, relatively unscathed after the news the last forty eight hours with uh, uh, positive tests so close to uh, to hotel quarantine, where players and associated uh, support staff are attending, is, is going to be a, a perfect test case. Because uh, you know, if it had gone perfectly, then uh, everyone would have thought, "Well, let's just get on with everything else." But you know, the fact that there are a few speed bumps along the way, um, it'll be a good. Uh, at least learning experience for other organisations running big events like uh, the IOC and the Tokyo Organising Committee. Hopefully it does go ahead. Well well done. Um, all right, after the break, this uh, chat, long-awaited chat uh, sort of the hiatus of Jackson Irvine's career has gone parallel to COVID, and uh, we're really keen to have a good yarn to him about uh, how it was during that period of time. Uh, you know, just how close he got to a new club, and then finally the news when he signed with Hibbs, and now he's back on the park. Stick around; it's going to be a great conversation with Jackson Irvine after the break on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe-
1: for Chemist Warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings,
1: and Storage King,
0: the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most
1: crucial. Goal yes, of all. this is box to box broadcasting across Australia, around the world, on the Nine Radio, NTS News, TalkSport, and whatever podcast catcher you happen to listen to. Now, set off the top of the show back in 2015, we were privileged to have one of our regular guests, uh, Jackson Irvine. He'd uh, been with the Socceroos for a few years at that point. He'd signed with Celtic. He'd, uh, he'd been at Kilmarnock for. A little while and he was making a big name for himself at Ross County and we followed his career from there to Burton Albion Hull City and watched the Socceroos and we left him alone during this COVID twilight zone period Uh, we didn't want to bother him because we knew he was uh, going through a lot uh, over there in the UK but it's over now and we're delighted to welcome him back on the show how are you Jackson? Hi
4: guys thanks for having me as always
1: no, not at all, mate. And and so, so you know, if we rewind the clock pre-COVID, so we're talking Hull City. Um, there was a controversial, and you know, a lot of people said disrespectful exit from the club. Uh, at, at your hands, you played over a hundred games. You were an influential and important member of that club for a long time. They ended up, and I know you won't want to comment on this, getting their just desserts by getting relegated. But uh, but but we all just expected that it was a matter of time that you'd pick up a new club then COVID hit. So can you talk to us about that time and uh, and what clubs you were considering? And, uh, you know, did you knock back any contracts thinking that a better one might come only for COVID to uh, hit us all uh, between the eyes?
4: Well, I suppose uh, during the first kind of COVID outbreak in terms of the first lockdown, which was in March, um, at that point, um, yeah, we still had, you know, nine, ten games to go. And um, for myself,
5: uh, I was kind of already,
4: before COVID, before all this, I was already kind of asking the question of the club about of Hull, about where my future was. The club had an option to extend my contract for a further year, which they hadn't taken yet, and um, you know, I was wondering if there was going to be a new offer would come to me, in the sense, as you say, I was the you know, vice-captain of the club, and at that time, I was, you know, I played the most games, I've been at the club the longest and played the most games of any player, so that was kind of the what I was kind of expecting, and then as we went into the lockdown, we weren't sure whether or not the league was going to resume. Um, it became kind of clearer and clearer as the weeks went by that, uh, yeah, they just weren't going to, um, you know, my time at the club was coming to an end, I guess. They, they, they didn't seem to have any intention of, um, you know, offering me something new or moving on, and I think that was purely financially based, probably coming out of the, the COVID crisis. So, for myself, yeah, I was kind of left in a position where, you know, there was months, there was ten games to go in the season. The club had made it clear that I wasn't going to be a part of it, but I was unable to sign for anyone else at that time. Um, so that was the initial time when I actually tried to come back to Australia. Well, I say tried, I actually I did come back. I was, uh, you know, expecting to come back, and I was going to spend some time in Melbourne and, and hopefully train with, with one of the A League clubs and keep myself kicking over until. You know the chance to sign with another club in Europe, and then <laughs> about eight days into my hotel quarantine in Melbourne, the out, the Melbourne outbreak started, and uh, you know all the while I was in lockdown, all the teams moved up into the New South Wales hub, so that didn't quite go to plan either. And then um, you know I basically ended up spending you know two or three weeks uh, at home with my with my parents and my family, and and then I, I came back over to Europe to, to see what happened next. And um, you know as you say, you talk about clubs and options, and, um, you know, I had a couple of things brought to me kind of early doors, talking maybe July time, and, um, you know, didn't quite feel they were the right fit for me, um, but, you know, in hindsight, uh, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know, they, you have options, well, not many, but you have a couple of things come to you, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, things dry up, and, and you find yourself kind of in, in no man's land for a long period, which was very frustrating. So, yeah, it was a crazy few months and, and you know, I found myself kind of all over the place trying to find the right solution for, for you know, the, whatever was going on at the time. And, um, you know, as you say, it took me a long time to be able to find the right
6: option, I guess,
2: in the end. That situation, Jackson, um, can you just talk us about talk to us about uh, how anxious you were? I mean, all, um, all your fans back here in Australia, we were all worried about uh, just – you know, it seemed to be the worst timing to be um, looking for a club for obvious reasons. But um, what did you do while you were searching for a club and no doubt your agents were calling you every other day and uh, you're probably having discussions with all sorts of different people, but what did you do outside of football to help sort of, um, you know, keep yourself organised and in a good frame of mind?
4: Well, you know, as as I say, during the COVID kind of lockdown world, it was, obviously it was difficult. Having to not being able to really do anything or you know see your friends and family and stuff. So you know in terms of um you know, my partner was unbelievably supportive through it all and so was obviously my parents at home and um so you know friends and family and even more so as well. Uh, in, from a football point of view, I had some great support from the obviously the national people within the national team. Um, Andrew Clark, the sports science, and conditioning coach of the national team, was hooking me up with programs and individual, um, you know, running programs and training things that I could do to keep myself ticking over. And essentially, it was just me, you know, getting up every day and taking myself to a public park and having to, to, you know, just do the work and, and make sure that you had a good baseline that when you got that phone call uh, to go into a club, you were going to at least be, um, you know, not months or weeks away from being ready, but hopefully, you know, just a little be ready a little bit sooner so um yeah i had great support from from those people and, and that was probably what you know got me got me
1: through it i guess this is box to box we're talking to one of our favorite socceroos jackson irvine now at hibernian back to scotland where it
3: all started for him on box to box Jackson, you had a well-publicised stint training with Oldham Athletic under Harry Kill down in League Two. How long did you spend at the club? How beneficial did you find it, mentally and physically, sort of to, to tick over? And what were your reflections on Harry as a manager, and, and what do you see lying ahead for him as a boss?
4: Yeah, it was fantastic for myself. It was exactly what I needed. As I said, after doing all that individual training, um, and as January kind of ticked closer, um, and you know, I knew a decision was probably going to come in that month, and. The last thing that was missing was the football, the football side of things. And um, you know, again with the COVID world, I was actually planning to go into all them far earlier than I than I did. But they had a COVID outbreak at the club. I think Harry himself tested positive, and you know that was around the time where I was planning on going into train with them. So it was just you know another little setback along the way. But eventually, I managed to, to get myself in. In terms of the the protocols, were fine as long as I got myself pre tested before I went in and uh, I was allowed to mix with the group in training and mentally and physically it was just in the, the exactly what I needed. And, um, you know, I didn't spend a, an awful lot of time there, you know, because obviously everyone knows what the English schedule is like. Two games a week, Saturday, Tuesday, it kind of can be a bit relentless, especially around Christmas. So, um, you know, it was mainly just when the guys had a, had a big session, Harry was more than happy for me to just uh, come in and, and join in in the more physical days. And, um, as I said for myself, physically and also mentally just being around a group again on the day-to-day of, of football made such a difference and um yeah it, it definitely held me uh pushed me into a level that when it meant when I came to Hibbs, I was ready to ready to go far quicker than I would have been otherwise and in terms of Harry as a manager and um I, I really enjoyed working with him and working with the group and I really like what he what he's got going there and um you know there's, there's they had a, a tough start to the season, but they went on a, a fantastic run and, you know, they pushed themselves up up in the mid-table. And as we know, again, in the English leagues, it only takes you to put a little bit of a run of form together to be able to compete. So, you know, I, I follow them closely now. Obviously, uh, that, again, in football, when you spend a bit of time somewhere, you definitely want to see them do well. So I follow them closely now. And, um, I'm yeah, obviously, hopefully they'll be able to find themselves up near the under the table in a few weeks
1: time. and as a person Harry Kuehl you, you've known him for a long time uh, um, as a, an, a person as an, but as a player as a, a senior pro you're a senior pro obviously in your, your own right but uh, to have somebody like him to, to talk to um, and discuss your, your playing future must have been uh, uplifting because it, it wasn't long after Harry was quoted in the press uh, uh, that, um, that Hibbs um, signed you up so I mean whether that was coincidental or not but Certainly, Harry was giving you massive reps uh, around that time.
4: Yeah, he was fantastic. And as a, I think for most clubs, what was important was to see that I was in somewhere training and I was going to be ready to go when they brought me in. So that definitely did help. And uh, as you say, Harry is a person um, just, yeah, unbelievably generous with his time and and um, so helpful, like, obviously, yeah, to bring someone in from, from the outside. Um, and sometimes, I don't know, people some coaches and some football clubs can see it as disruptive rather than productive. And he definitely didn't see it that way. You know, he was saying to me throughout training and, you know, if I was, if I saw things within the team, within the group, you know, it was was great to just, uh, to be a part of it and see what, see again, what he's like as a manager on the day to day, because, um, you know, we've shown that he can have success at at that level. And I've got no doubt that he's going to keep progressing with his career as a manager. And, um, you know, we'll see him at a, at, a, at a higher level as well at some point, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, hopefully we will. I made a long-range prediction many years ago that when he's about 60, he'll be the Australian manager taking us to the World Cup. and yeah. uh, So maybe that might happen. But, hey, Jackson, uh, we're going to take a break briefly and then we're going to uh, pick it up uh, where we are now, really, uh, that uh, you're at Easter Road, uh, third in the Scottish Premiership and, and things are, are looking positive. So so we'll just take a break. We're going to continue to talk to Jackson Irvine about the uh, the next phase of his football career.
0: Box to box. Can you-
1: The Chemist Warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings,
1: and Storage King,
0: the kings of storage, moving, and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial. Yes, this is Box to Box. Now, before the break, we're talking to Jackson Irvine for the first time uh, since the COVID uh, hiatus of his career. We uh, are now going to talk. after the uh, the news of uh, the shock of uh, leaving Hull and, and not finding a new club and and training with Harry Kules Oldham, but you're now at uh, Hibernian and and, and that uh, that uh, contract came at, at just the right time. You were uh, you cut your teeth in football in in Scotland. Uh, your dad's from Aberdeen. You've obviously got Dutch heritage on your mum's side, but uh, um, you, you could have easily been playing uh, for Scotland and maybe even in the Euros coming up. But uh, it's your second home, isn't it?
4: Yeah, and that made a massive dif- um you know, played a massive part in my decision to come back up here. Um, it is, this is like a, sec- a second home for me, and uh, I'm comfortable here. I know the league, and I was well aware of the club. I have friends that play here, and, um, of course, with Martin from uh, the national team, but as well as guys that I've known from my, just my time in the league up here, and, um, you yeah, know, they've got fantastic set up. and it is a massive club, and, um, you know, the chance to for a place in Europe, and um, you know, to be to be winning games is, is, was a massive draw to me. And when when the call came, it only really took one conversation with, with the manager here, Jack Ross, to to see that we were on the same wavelength and know that it was you know the right decision for me at the time.
2: Now, we won't let you off the hook. Uh, Tell us about Martin Ball because anybody who follows uh, Martin or his wife on social media knows that uh, he's one hell of a character. Um, he must have given you a big welcome when you walked in the door.
4: Uh, surprisingly, he was quite calm. I was a bit, uh, they, to be fair, they had a game against Celtics the next day. So I think there was a there was a little bit going on when I came in the door. But uh, he's been brilliant with since I came in. He's a, you know, a big part of this football club and, culture of the dressing room and you know he is uh yeah he's, he's a, a bit of a, the light kind of in the, in the dressing room at times especially when you're going through tough periods and he's a yeah he's a great character and couldn't be happier to to be around him more on the day to day after you know knowing what he's like with the national team as well
2: well, you—you, you, I mean, the, the boots on the other foot this time, isn't it? Because you were one of the guys who welcomed him, welcomed you into the Socceroos uh, environment, and I can—I do remember seeing some uh, some images of, of that, and it's—it's uh, it's amazing when you get someone who's um, grown up in another country and lobs uh, lobs in in Australia for the first time, and then plays uh, for the Socceroos. So um, now he's welcoming you at Hibs, but uh, just tell us about. Um, your role uh, that you're going to play. Um, I think all of us were delighted to see you slip straight into the team and um, and uh, games in quick succession. And uh, you got uh, an assist through to Martin in, uh, in your first game, I think, so or your second game. But to tell us uh, just you know what you're expecting between now and uh, the end of this uh, s- season in the Scottish uh, Premiership.
5: Yeah, it was a bit of a
4: shock to be honest. Like I, I came in and did my medical on the Monday, and you know although I'd done maybe ten or twelve maybe 10 sessions with Oldham Um, you know obviously I hadn't played a game in over 10 months and uh, you know I I came in on the Monday I trained Tuesday Thursday Friday three sessions and I went straight into the 11 on on the Saturday and um, you know again after a conversation with the manager and the medical staff here um, everyone kind of agreed that um, obviously it's a short term contract and the best way to get up to speed is to get minutes in the legs and you know there's an element of risk there from both sides in terms of I haven't played and and for the club, in terms of they didn't probably quite know what they were going to get from me, but thankfully it's gone really well, and my performances have been good, and I've been getting stronger as the games have gone by. And you know, going into this weekend, I'm looking at my fifth game in 14 days, back to the kind of hectic schedule of of European football over here, and um yeah, it, it could, couldn't be going any better. To be honest, I'm loving every second of my time here, and uh, you know, in terms of my role within the within the club and the team here. It's, it, as I said, for both parties, to, for myself as an experienced, you know, kind of international player who's had success in this league before, and um, you know, for, for the manager to be able to bring me in and, and help the squad, kind of with a, with that last push to try and uh, secure third place, that it, it made sense. And um, you know, for myself, I'm capable of. You know, he knows my, my versatility, and particularly within the midfield area, playing as deeper or further forward, and I'm um, a threat in both boxes. And yes. Yeah, Everything that, that I that I can do seems to fit within the you know philosophy of the football he wants to play, and thankfully, we're, you know, kind of seeing the results of that
1: already. This is box to box we're talking to. Socceroo Jackson Irvine. Uh, he's with Hibs now at Easter Road, one of the most intimidating uh, stadiums in all of Europe when there's a crowd there, which there's not right now. But um, Willem. Uh, Fire away, mate. You've got a couple up your sleeve.
3: Yeah, Jackson, from a national team perspective, it's been so long since the Socceroos were able to play a match. I think we're nearing the longest break in 50 years between drinks uh, for the national team. We've obviously got a couple of qualifiers coming up next month, but the exact logistics, like everything at the minute, aren't quite clear. Do you allow yourself to get excited and look ahead to those matches? Or are you thinking maybe at this point, just given the way the world is, they might not go ahead? Where do you where do you sort of put yourself looking ahead to the national team?
5: Yeah, it's
4: difficult because, as you say, you don't want to build up your, your hopes that you're going to get to be back involved with the national team only to see it, um, you know, be interrupted by, by everything that's going on. Um, but, you know, for myself, I, I'm absolutely yeah, I'm, I am excited. I suppose I, I can't wait to, to be back And in say It's been for, for players like myself. I suppose off the back of back end of last year, it kind of ties into the kind of disbelief of the situation I found myself in. In terms of you know those internationals at the end of 2019 was probably the strongest I've played for the national team. Probably my the most involved I've been in terms of starting um, games on regularly and you know to see you kind of feel like you're building into your strongest. Um, strongest period of your career as an international player and to see that kind of put the rug pulled under, from underneath you and not, gonna, not played for now 18 months is, is obviously disappointing but you know that's just from a personal point of view, from the team's perspective, uh, of course we, we were building some good momentum and put some, you know, off the back of that historic win in Jordan, we felt like we'd really started to put something together and again we're going to have to just, you know, try and take ourselves back 18 months I guess and keep that feeling and um, the quality we have together, but also, you know, the, there's been some changes in terms of players have moved to different clubs and uh, we've got some younger players that are doing some exciting things, so we might see some changes in the squad as well. So, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see if we can get that consistency back together straight away. And of course, whether or not the games even go ahead will be one thing, but the games, I suppose, do have to get played at some point. So, when they do when they are played we'll just have to be as ready as we can be.
3: And what sort of messages are you getting from Graham Arnold and the national setup about those specifically those two matches next month? Are they treating preparation sort of business as usual, as if they're gonna get played or is there still some uncertainty?
4: No, absolutely business as usual. It has been all the way through. We keep in regular contact as individuals and as a squad with the manager and with each other and um, you know, that's, that's really important to make sure we still maintain that contact, whether it's from a kind of personal point of view, but also, you know, with the, the sport science and the data side of things, we're in regular contact with those guys as well, so it's um, it's, it's definitely business as usual, and as you say, if, if it goes ahead, we're, we'll, we'll be as prepared as we can possibly be.
2: Jackson, uh, onto the human side, we know um, you've got great interests outside of uh, football, but we can't let the opportunity pass without sort of your reflections on... Uh, the state of um, the COVID pandemic in England and Scotland, or, or Great Britain more generally. Um, just your thoughts on, um, if you can just uh, share some some reflections about uh, just how you're living your life, um, the the impact of the the pandemic on. Uh, the community, um, the, you know, at the moment, uh, the massive amount of cases, um, yeah. as well as the, um, probably the, the light at the end of the tunnel, the vaccine program starting to roll out. So we just love to get your reflections on leading through that just for all of our listeners around in, around Australia. Yeah,
4: it's been incredibly difficult and strange and, you know, all of the, you know, I suppose the, the cliche words of not understanding what we were kind of going through, but you know, for myself, having been back to Australia and seen, you know, how the country managed it in terms of going through the hotel quarantine process and, and the kind of lockdown within Melbourne and and um, you know even how early the masking was made mandatory and all of the things that have allowed life to return to some kind of normal. Um, back home is it's disappointing in one way for for myself, knowing that you know we're still a long way away from from anything. Being close to normal, um, and you're know, even waking up in the morning and watching A League games and seeing you know players running to celebrate with the crowd. It's you know it, it brings joy to your face in, in terms of happy for them, but of course we again we are no, not even remotely close to, to life being in that kind of place. And you know, from a personal point of view, you know m- my partner's an emergency worker and she's kind of worked through this whole pandemic as well. And um, you know she's kind of been out in the community from from day one and you know, to see that, you know, the kind of risk that these, that people have to, the workers have to put themselves through. And, you know, again, it puts a lot of things in perspective in terms of not being able to find a football football club for six months is obviously not ideal, but there was a lot of people that have had a lot rougher years than, than myself. And, um, yeah, for, for us, it's just about now, you know, that vaccine rollout is the light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like the only option now in terms of, Timeline for when things can return to normal. So we just have to hope that that it goes smoothly and and the things. You know, can slowly start to creep back to, to some kind of normality.
1: So well said Jackson and uh, yeah, that word you use perspective, uh, it's one that's lost on a lot of people these days and uh, professional sports people uh, often put on a pedestal and uh, and uh, easily criticise but when we hear someone who is as well rounded as you are, uh, having been through the uncertainty that you went through uh, um, and you know we can't help to think of our own selfish needs when we're going through difficult times but the fact that you were able to to, to maintain that perspective during that time is, is a real credit to you and your family. We know your mum and dad and your sister back home uh, uh, obviously miss you. They got to spend you some extra time uh, when, you, when you were out here and uh, no doubt they'll be just super, and they are super excited that you, you're back uh, playing football again, mate. We would love to talk to you for longer, but we're not going to be greedy. We're going to let you go and uh, and uh, we're really grateful, mate. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again. Maybe when uh, when that qualification for, for Europe comes through, we might talk about what the celebrations look like in the dressing room at Easter Road.
4: Yeah, I'm sure they'll be, well, as I was about to say, the only place we'll be celebrating will be in the dressing room, but it'll be well worth it, I'm sure.
1: Good on you, mate. Jackson Irvine, an absolute pleasure talking to you
4: thanks guys, much appreciated.
1: What a class act, Jackson Irvine is, Socceroo, Hibernian. Um he's played uh, uh, elite football for many, many years now. We, we know his family and uh, we've followed his story for, for a long, long time. It was just wonderful to be able to, to catch up with him again and hear the the whole story, the trajectory of the story from the, the difficult times through to uh, they are as they are right now. Alright guys, well we're going to uh, get back to the local stuff and we're going to talk A-League. Willem's got a, a wrap up of what's been going on in the past week or so and a look ahead in the A-League on box to box.
0: Box to box.
1: the Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could
1: be the most Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport Broadcasting across Australia on the NTS network and, of course, on whatever podcast catcher you happen to tune into. I hope it's dropping in your inbox on a regular basis. We appreciate your support. Uh, now we're going to talk A-League in a moment, but before we do our good friends at Storage King have got one of their best deals of the year every single year you see this four week deal, this one month free offer coming to the market and it's a perfect time to take advantage of decluttering your home. So if you're moving, if you're renovating, or you simply, as I said, need to declutter your home or office, you need to call Storage King right now. Because when you store before the 15th of February, you'll get one month storage free. That's right, one month's storage free. So visit storageking.com.au to find your nearest store. And you can store it with Storage King because they are always looking to give people back some space as we hear a little bit of emergency (laughs) action you can hear the coppers the fireys maybe trying to get into the local storage king store to store a bit of emergency gear conditions apply not for the emergency workers of course storage king they are the kings of storage moving in more aren't they boys and big big supporters of us michael willem Really enjoyed that chat with Jackson. Uh, We um, were tempted a few times to contact him, but um, we we didn't during that period of time. And the moment um, uh, he'd signed up with Hibs, uh, we reached out after a couple of weeks, I should say, and let him settle in, and he said, uh, yep, happy to have you on straight away.
3: As he always does, Jackson always very, very generous with his time. On to the A-League for this week, though, Rob. Round seven, we're going to kick off on Friday night in Adelaide at Hindmarsh, between they're hosting Perth Glory. I thought, Michael, that Adelaide would run ragged by Brisbane. It looked super sweaty last Saturday night up at Redcliffe Stadium, but as we know, they are a different side at home and they've got the Red Army behind them. They've got a couple of significant ins as well. George, Timotheo, Tommy Urich, who you'd expect would stay and Javi Lopez From Perth's perspective We know they had that Three game road trip In Victoria They were hard done by In the first couple of games So I was really glad For them and Richie Garcia To see that they took The three points That they definitely deserved Against Melbourne City However We've been um, Forecasting for a while That they are going to have At some point All of their strikers Fit and available And this is the week So I'll read you some names Michael and then I'd like Your starting front three This week Diego Castro Bruno Fornaroli Carlo Armiento Andy Keo. And the goal-scoring, Nick D'Agostino.
2: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think when you've got um, Castro uh, ready to play, if you don't play him, you want to have a hard look at yourself. It just depends how what sort of shape he's in, whether they want to give him a a certain amount of time. Um, But he's got to be your first start in in that 3-4. And uh, and, uh, Andy Keogh is probably who I would go with, yeah.
3: And at the other end of the pitch... Interesting. They've left out Liam ready for their last couple, Robin. They've been going with true journeyman Tando overlap who's been at a multitude of clubs and has hardly really played consistently across his 10 to 12 year career in the ALEC So good to see him getting an extended run But he took his run. chance when he, he, did when take he got it run. didn't he And, um, and uh, when you, you
1: take that chance Not just regulation saves We're talking about a couple of uh, you know serious stops That uh, that kept Adelaide in the game and, and helped them win points So you know, yeah. it, Calvi, it's a, a seasoned professional And any uh, manager at that level Always wants to keep uh, his number one keeper And his backup uh, on their toes So yeah Yeah, I
2: think um, Tan over is an interesting run Because goalkeepers do um, Willem um, Mature as they, as they get, you know, as they get uh, later in their career They often get better So um, remember he, he was playing in the A-League When he was very young yep. um, So um, I don't doubt for one moment That he's uh, good enough to, to be playing
3: Moving on to Saturday afternoon, Brisbane Raw hosting the victory up at the aforementioned Redcliffe, and the Roar can go top here. I think the Mariners have definitely made the headlines; have been mm. the biggest story. But Brisbane have certainly gone under the radar. I mean well, with two last games last in week. hand as well, Let's absolutely not,
1: not um, forget that that uh, they not only go top, but they'd still go have a game in hand over, over Central Coast if they win that.
3: And Dylan Wenzel Hall has been crucial to their success: four goals and two assists from the eight goals their team scored. So he's been yeah, involved he's, in, he's in three quarters of the goals, and he's finally bringing that. We know he's got the talent. We know he's yeah. Got he's the, been
2: um, a couple. A of really good judges in my network say that he's a bit of an opportunist, but I think he's more than an opportunist. I think he's quite a good player, but uh, you, you can't uh, tip Melbourne Victory there. Redlands uh, is a happy hunting ground for Brisbane at the moment. I think they'll get the job done.
1: Well, hasn't that been a good move, though? I mean, there, there was it a lot is, of controversy at the it's club a, and their
2: fans. Yeah, and it's a fantastic it atmosphere. Anyway. Yeah. I talk to a few Brisbane fans who go regularly. They say it's it, it's it's fantastic. They're enjoying every moment of
3: it. I will just drop in that the Victory do have an outstanding record in Queensland, not at Redland, uh, not at Redcliffe, but in Queensland, so Suncorp. They've won their last four with a combined tally of 12 goals to three, and they should have Robbie Cruz back for this one. But I still think uh, the the cards are stacked against Victory on Saturday afternoon. Moving into Saturday night, MacArthur against Western Sydney. Huge clutch for both sides. Rob, the Bulls, uh, they turned in their worst performance mm-hmm. of all against Sydney last week and got dismantled 3-0 after the early red to Mark Milligan at home in Campbelltown. We know for a new club, mm. it's, it's crucial that you build that fortress and attract fans. So far, they've gone loss, draw and loss. So they need to start picking up some wins to make sure those cowbells continue to ring. But the big one I want to talk about here, Rob, is yeah. the Wanderers. They looked yeah. Yeah. fantastic early against the Jets. But then, quite simply, they stopped dead when yeah. they were leading by a goal. They let Stephen Yugarkovic completely dominate that game Um I thought a very, very strange sub to take Taz Mortakoudis off and to bring on Patrick Ziegler who hasn't played a bit out of form, a bit out of rhythm, gave away the penalty, looked a bit... Clumsy, and then and that cost them big time. So I think the rot is still there, unfortunately, for the Wanderers. Um, despite the fact that they've got the new boss, they just don't have the conviction to put the points on the board. Yeah, look, I, I think you know the the, the fact that
1: we we, um, we set a derby aside tells you that form is is out the window, regardless of uh, of who's doing what on the ladder. They're they're both uh, in that sort of uh, that nether zone of of the the mid table. Uh, and I, re- I reckon as much as I've tipped the Western Sydney Wanderers to finish on top of the ladder and I fully expect Carl Robinson to get it together, I think Ante Milicic will uh, will, will get the team sorted that the, on the balance of probability, they've been good enough uh, to, to win at home and they're eventually going to win at home and I, I actually think it'll be this weekend.
2: Question for you, Rob, without notice. Uh, mm. Do you rate um, spirit? Where do you rate spirit and narrative in a club journey? Because Alan Stage mm. and... Uh, Central Coast and uh, and the Newcastle environment at the moment, they seem very spirited organisations, don't they? And they seem um, they they seem to live out that spirit on the field in the matches. It's to me, it's very obvious, and it's very obvious that Macarthur and Western uh, Sydney Wanderers at the moment seem to me like they're missing a bit of that.
1: Do you agree? Yeah, look, I think it's X factor, isn't it? It's it's um, you know everybody can have fit players with skill set levels and managers who are uh, experienced former players who are have been through the, the process to getting their badges. So, so you know, side by side, they can all look very similar, but that X factor of club spirit is is what drags you over the line when you're behind and finds a way to score a winning goal, or for that matter in any sport, whatever it happens to be. So I, I rate it really highly. I think uh, uh, Carl Robinson, you know, as a new gaffer, is building some spirit there, and uh, he will eventually get it right. Uh, the, uh, the MacArthur Bulls, though, I just sense that um, that it's um, again a work in progress, and that this weekend we're going to see perhaps a, uh, a breakthrough for them in
3: that very area. Rich. moving on to Sunday, Newcastle will be hosting Melbourne City, the Jets. Yeah, well, they were pretty good. I thought in the end, probably could have taken all three against the Wanderers last week. Uh, Craig Dean's Michael, I don't think he could have done. Well, look, they lost their four, their first four, but I don't think he could have done too much more to, uh, to get the permanent job offered to him, certainly without any other candidates. City, though, I've got a few concerns, especially after two nights ago against the Mariners. Not much has changed for mine under Paddy Kisnorp. I mean, I know they made the grand final, but you still need to change a few things. Personnel's almost identical, as is the style. Anyone who listens to this program knows I adore Jamie McLaren, but you wonder if maybe they want a Matt Simon-style Plan B option on the bench, just someone to throw up there, just to change things around, because it looks just very one, one-dimensional for mine.
2: Do you think they were too keyed up and too physical? I mean, they pay the price with a send off. Uh, I just think that you know Scott Jemison getting in players' faces. I just think that sometimes that stuff's over overblown and it doesn't doesn't actually work for you. Um, yeah, I, the question on Patrick is, can he transition into a first rate uh, coach quickly? Because Melbourne City they have the talent, the resources and the ability to compete at the top of the table. And at the moment, um, it appears that they're not uh, delivering that.
3: And then the final game on Sunday, Central Coast against Western United. Talk of the town, obviously, the Mariners. Uh, story of the season. Their last win came without Oliver Zanich because they've unveiled their new Polish signing, Mikkel Janota, who I thought absolutely dominated. He looks fantastic. Marco Ureña also looked good. So good recruiting, good depth. Not things we've spoken about a lot about the Mariners uh, in the past couple of seasons. And they've added a layer in the last couple of weeks as well. I think they, they look really comfortable on the, on the ball as well as sort of sitting back and defending as they did in the first couple of weeks. Uh, Western United, I think anyone who watched the game against Victory knows they should have had the three points, Uh, they were by far the better side had two goals chalked off by millimetres Diamante hit the post or the bar three times so they are ninth though so they do need something here Uh, and then moving on to Monday night, Sydney FC will face Wellington at Coggera Uh, and if things go to plan for Sydney and results fall their way, they could go top after this one as well, they're actually not too far off it. Costa Barbarossa's Michael, he needs a spell he's playing as poorly as he has unfortunately in his 12 years in the A-League and Patrick Wood uh, is the man who needs to start he scored two goals and then we have two matches midweek on Tuesday Brisbane against MacArthur at Redcliffe and the Wanderers against the Victory at Bank West. Well, um, well done mate one of your finest hours. Um, we're all loving this A-League
1: season right now. Uh, everybody said that when uh, a lot of the money went out of the game and a lot of the high profile players left that uh, the, uh, the league would uh, would uh, drop substantially, but we're seeing a lot of young players coming through, a lot of players getting opportunities, and there's a lot of competition from one end of the ladder to the other. It's going to be a great um, season. Yes, as I tell everyone else to wrap it up, and I'm not doing it. Wrap it up, oh, Rob. Well. <laughs> well done, Willem. Okay, after the break, we're going to talk to Steve Horvat. We're going to talk Western United. We're going to talk about their new stadium out in Tunneat and a bunch of other things on Box to Box.
0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgley. Oh! Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage. Moving Absolutely fantastic!
1: Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition. News shortly with Willem van Dender. We'll talk Socceroos and Matildas. Then we're going to talk to Steve Horvat, the director of football at Western United. Great news in the last week or so that uh, their stadium in Tarnit is. Uh, on the well, More than on the drawing board That uh, the building uh, is in the immediate future that's, uh, that's great news We'll talk to Steve about that We'll talk more Europe with Dino and Derek And wrap it up with stoppage time In uh, a, a conversation that we were having off the air During the week around uh, Emma Hayes the, uh, the manager at the Chelsea women's team In the Women's Super League uh, Who labelled it an insult Suggestions that an EFL job would be a step up In women's football We'll talk about that throughout the course of the hour But Willem
3: has got a bit of news for us I do, Rob, and we'll start with Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. It's hopefully not long now until our Socceroos return to World Cup qualifying action, and we know the Matildas have a huge next four years ahead, so make sure you're on the Green and Gold Army mailing list for info on all overseas tours. Sign up at ggatravel.com.au. Guys, we'll start this week in Saudi Arabia where Brad Jones has added more silverware with Al Nasser, keeping a clean sheet in a 3-0 win in the final of the Saudi Super Cup. That's his second Super Cup to go with the league championship he won with the club, having also won the league and two cups in Holland with Rotterdam. James Holland has continued his rare goal scoring form in Austria, netting his third in three for Lask in a 2 1 loss to Rapid Vienne. And in England, Maslowongo has made his return from injury for Sheffield Wednesday. He's played the final 10 minutes in wins over Preston and Bournemouth. And down south to Brighton, Cameron Perpion looks on the verge of breaking into their under-23 side. He's scored eight goals in 11 for their under-18s, and he's played in numerous positions as well, Michael. To Arsenal, Matt Ryan could be in line for his debut this Saturday night, our time, if he can overcome a minor hip complaint, and by all reports, it looks like that will be the case. Number one keeper, Bernd Leno, is suspended for their trip to Aston Villa. So, fingers crossed he can get on, and he can impress.
2: Oh, go Matty Ryan. is a big night for him. He was a Gunner fan as he grew up. If Derek was listening, he'd be so happy. So... Go, son. Go, Matty.
1: But it was just a shame that uh, when he had the opportunity the other night... Uh When uh, Burnley was sent off, that uh, I was listening to the coverage on the BBC, thinking, "You beauty, Matty Ryan's going to come on." And then the next thing the commentator said was, "Matt Ryan's unavailable for this match." And and I thought, "Okay, well maybe he's probably thinking uh, that's not such a bad thing because they might start leaking goals." But in the end, it didn't happen.
3: And that's the early game on Saturday, so it could be good prime time, eleven thirty on the Australian Eastern Seaboard. So fingers crossed for Matt there. To our Matildas, Sam Kerr scored her tenth goal in seventeen for Chelsea this season. They put four past Alana Kennedy's Tottenham in the league. Kerr then watched from the bench as Chelsea put six past to West Ham side, including Emily van Egmont and Mackenzie Arnold, in the League Cup semi-finals. To Holland, Amy Harrison was on the score sheet for PSV, netting their second in a 6-1 win over Pex Voller in their cup competition. And in France, Ali Carpenters-Leon and Laura Brock's Guingamp progressed in the Coupe de France Feminine, but Mary Fowler's Montpellier were bungled out. The big news from the Premier League across the week, Southampton have remarkably found themselves again on the end of a 9-0 Premier League defeat, this time to Manchester United at Old Trafford. The Saints had Alexandra Jankovic dismissed for an awful tackle after just two minutes and were much later in the match reduced to nine men Jan Bednarek sent off in the dying stages. In between those two red cards, seven United players found the net as they once again drew level on points atop the Premier League. Michael Our dear friend Ralph Hasenhutl The Alpine Klopp, Who gets more of a mention On this show than Just about any Premier League Manager I think um, I think They actually Weren't that bad They weren't 9-0 bad I think 6-1 Was probably a fair reflection They did have a goal scored Which shouldn't have been Chalked off in my opinion And that last red Was very harsh When they were 6-0 down So I'm going to give them A 6-1 for that one
2: Yeah look It wasn't as bad As uh, the scoreline suggested But it's an ugly one Isn't it Um, They've actually had A very good season So um, You know There's still time For them to re- Group So to speak They won't need too much We know that uh, There's so much quality In these Premier League squads It can go your way From time to time And this season Isn't it Rob It's just been up and down
1: Yeah it has been And uh, I guess if If uh there's one club that can prove you. It's proven you can come back from a 9 0 drubbing. It's uh, at Southampton. So uh, unless uh, there's a repeat uh, in the next few Wonder weeks or months, Tom or so. How Tom
2: is feeling after that? Yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: I was thinking of him. Uh, but uh, yeah, they'll they'll bounce back. there mid-table. Manchester and, United, on the
2: other hand, you got to take your chances when they come with them, don't they?
3: And they needed to improve that goal difference if there any did, chance against City. Right. Yeah. The African Nations Cup final will be played this Monday morning our time with Mali to face Morocco in Yaounde, Cameroon. So far, the tournament has gone off without a hitch, which is notable given the civil war taking place in the west of Cameroon between the government and separatist group, the Amber Boys. Cameroon will next year host the far more important and far larger African Cup of Nations. So this has been a bit of a dress rehearsal, Michael, to keep the two uh, two events, if you like, uh, apart. The militant separatists have pledged to disrupt the tournaments as well, which is not good. So they've managed to keep it at arm's length for now, but I would have thought... A civil war with threats being made, 3,000 people have been killed, 70,000 have been displaced. I mean, I think that's as good as reason as any for a relocation.
2: I think it would. You know, African um, football and the challenges facing Africa, I mean, COVID um, This meant that uh, there's a lot of things in Africa going underneath the radar, including that tournament. But um, yeah, I mean, um, we all love African football, don't we? And uh, I've been fortunate enough to spend a bit of time there in my journeys and Develop a real understanding of the importance of football to African culture right through the continent. And uh, we just hope that that uh, tournament goes off well. And the great Cameroon, who've given us so much enjoyment over the years, the mm-hmm. 2000 Olympic Games which springs to
1: 1990, mind, 1990 Rod- 90, Italia 90, yeah, Roger yeah. Miller,
2: Roger Miller, I mean, they are a, a iconic. Uh, Iconic uh, national international team of football, aren't they?
3: And finally from me, guys, the FIFA Club World Cup will kick off uh, very shortly and take place across the next week with the final to be played next Friday Australian time. Just six teams are going to be in the tournament. Ulsan Hyundai will face Tigres of Mexico in the first semi, while Egypt's African champions Al-Ali will place... Face Qatari side Al Duhale. The winners of those Matches will play Either Bayern Munich Or Brazil's Palmeiras. Sadly OFC nominee Auckland City Have chosen not to Make the trip Which is why The local side Al Duhale Will take place So from an Asian Perspective All the best To Ulsan Hyundai. Rob Already 2014 The last time An Australian side Played in this Tournament And it seems like It's going to be Probably at least That weight again
1: Yeah you'd think so Given the, uh, the performances Over recent years In uh in the Asian Champions League, but uh, look, who knows? Um, Western Sydney came out of nowhere, so it could happen sooner than we think. Hopefully, all right. Well, well done. Looking forward to chatting to Steve Horvath after the break. That's uh, just the best of positive news in the past couple of weeks. There's plenty of people who want to put the boot into the A League, but building a new stadium, purpose-built football stadium, is uh, positive and great news. We'll talk to Steve Horvat, director of football from Western United, about that next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe- The Chemist Warehouse Home of real brands and real savings
1: And Storage King
0: The kings of storage, moving and more And this could be the most
1: crucial goal Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport When... It was announced a couple of years ago that Western United had been given the expansion franchise. It was a bit of a surprise to a lot in football, but one of the aspects of the uh, the deal that they put to the uh, FFA at the time was that they were going to build a brand new purpose-built stadium in the western suburbs of Melbourne in Tarnit. It took a little while to hear the news that it was actually going ahead, but in the past week or so, we've heard the news from the Victorian State Government that it's not that far away. And to talk about it more, Director of Football at the club, but Steve Horvat, how are you Steve?
6: Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a big couple of weeks for the football
1: club, no doubt. Yeah, it sure has. Um, and 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 just positive news for football all round. Uh, the very fact that I think it just gets lost in the the biggest sporting conversation around this country that a purpose built football stadium, a boutique size, which once it's built will have uh, uh, an incredible atmosphere for football only in a state where the oval game is the one that's on the, the front page of the news all the time so when you, you see uh, Chris Pelavanis, uh hailed the state government's decision a couple of weeks ago he said that uh, you know after the day that you got granted the license this was obviously you know the second biggest piece of news it's um, it's a real positive for not just your club but football in general
6: I think it was sort of the trifecta it was sort of the last domino to fall for our football club obviously like you said we initially got the license uh, that was one the deal when it was finally struck with Windham in relation to um, the value capture of of the land and being able to build such incredible football infrastructure was two and then you know the last piece to fall like I said was the state government planning amendment which happened uh, last Friday and yeah look it was obviously the last hurdle for us to cross and you know we've you know and I know people out there have been saying well why is it taking so long well to build a development and a precinct a sports precinct like we are you know you don't get uh, these sort of approvals in uh, in a couple of months it takes a really long time and, and we've invested millions of dollars already throughout the planning process so that when we did get this point, um, we could transition into starting the build very quickly. So, you know, the stadium is designed up to, I think, 95% of the complete uh, sort of plans. Um, so, yeah, it really uh, bodes well for us to be able to start turning dirt very soon.
2: Steve, for those uh, listeners right around Australia um, who might not be aware of the nuances of the, of the development, it obviously includes uh, a... Um, a residential development, as well as the uh, academy and uh, training fields, and and obviously the stadium. Um, um, a, f- a few questions that. Uh um, people in my network that were interested. I mean, everyone is just so excited. Um, I think they feel that Western United um, has arrived now, that the, they know the stadium is going to be built and it's going to be a home that will um, generate memories for you know for decades to come. But um, what chance is there that there'll be a train station on the V-Line um, Passage, which goes right past the development site, and also... Um, is it reliant on any public funds? Um, and uh, the other questions that they were asking was just what is the construction timeline? Yeah.
6: You know, I think people are going to doubt us until we, they see a picture with a shovel in uh, in the ground, you know. But, you know, we can, we can confirm. And just by timelines, you know, we're looking to start construction by the middle of this year and with uh, a completion before the Women's World Cup in 2023. So... Um, that, that A-League season we will be playing, uh, in that, you know, home, home stadium. But yeah, it, it's an enormous development. You know, when you think about, we're also building a, a second smaller stadium, which is probably around about a 4,000 seat stadium, which, you know, will have the opportunity as another training venue, but also the ability to play NPL games, to play women's games, to, to host tournaments and, and those sort of things and, and feature matches in that stadium. So, You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail to come out in, in the wash. Um, but it, it honestly will be, will rival, you know, many of the great facilities that you see clubs building around the world. You know, there'll also be other grass pitches and a synthetic pitch, uh, indoor areas, uh, for, for training, um, accommodation. Sports science, gyms, pools, and those sort of things. So, you know, it'll be it'll be a facility um, that you know our game deserves, and something as well that you know you talk about, you know, in, in the years to come, you know, how big this club can and be, and and really. When you look at the infrastructure that's been built in the western suburbs, it's it's real. And, and in terms of sporting infrastructure, it, it's been completely non-existent. You know, so the west is growing at a at an incredibly rapid rate. You know, population growth. You know, in two of the three catchment areas are uh, some of the biggest, uh, not only in Victoria but the country. So, you know, we are developing a precinct that you know will bring the community together, and you know, along with Wyndham Council who are uh, investing in the training fields as well. There'll be a community aspect to those grounds as well so that community clubs, community football programs can have access uh, to, you know, world-class facilities as well. So it's really exciting, not only at an elite level, um, but also in the community level, you know. And, you know, if you look at the West, it's just a sea of suburbs, you know. So this will really be... A, a sort of a home for people uh, who are in the region and can come and come out and have have a have a meal, have a have dinner, come and watch a game and, and be involved in the club and and any other sports that are in the region. But you know, outside of the of the council contribution uh, to the training grounds, I mean, this is 100% privately funded via the Western Melbourne Group, and it's an incredible opportunity for. A sporting organization to have complete control of, of their facility, which our code just does not have in this country, you know, and a real, a real simple thing is, you know, the ability and flexibility to be able to open the stadium and train at any time, you know, that's, and these are little intangibles that will, will help our football club and, and help our coaches um that you don't need to schedule a training session two weeks in advance to be able to get on the main stadium. You can literally unlock the gate and walk in and, and have a training session. So there's there's those little details that are really important and when you build a football club and you know it'll it'll be a stadium that'll be completely branded in our logos, in our colours, the seats, the markings. So You know, when a fan walks in there, it really does feel like home. And I think that's really important.
2: You're listening to Box to Box on Nine Radio's NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to former Socceroo and uh, Western United Football Director Steve Horvath. Uh, Recently, Steve, the A-League unbundling means that uh, uh, the clubs now have... um, um, the, their future in their own hands uh, in terms of strategy planning, commercial decisions. Um, with the Women's World Cup um, around the corner in 2023, and potentially the Matildas being based in Melbourne, that's um, that's been mooted as well. What chance uh, uh, can Western? What 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 chances are that Western United might have a W team soon?
6: Yeah, well, that's really high on our agenda. Obviously, uh, recently we announced the uh, strategic partnership uh, with Calder, uh, the women's program uh, in the west of Melbourne, who you know, have uh, been delivering incredible talent and, and great opportunities in the West. So we, we've partnered with them so that when we when a W League team is introduced, and, you know, I can, you know, categorically say that all the A-League clubs and, and owners of clubs who don't have uh, a team are really pushing so that, you know, every, uh, every club is represented in the W League state. We're pushing for next season. Um, so, you know, we've, um, you know, we've, Made as much noise as we can that we will be ready and, and and able to you know implement a W League program next season. And what underpins that is this pathway that we've created now with Calder. You know, we will have the opportunity for girls in the West um, to be able to start their journey as a mini Roo player and then proceed all the way through our program and, and you know be able to represent. The club uh, in, in a W League capacity, and then hopefully as the children. So it was really important that you know we were able to uh, strike that partnership, and, and we also thank Calder for their incredible cooperation and you know their their vision as well to know that this is the way forward for women's football in the West, and also Football Victoria and, and Football Australia who really supported us in in our endeavour. So you know that was what it's about. You know because I think. The women's game has been overlooked for so long in terms of pathways. Sure, we had the elite level and the and uh, the A League clubs having their W League clubs, but it was that infrastructure and you know that pathway where you know girls can, can grow up and, and remain close to home in, in their region and play top level football.
1: Yeah, it's so true. In a growth zone like Wyndham, uh, people around Australia who listen to our program will will uh, uh, relate to the you know the the western suburbs of of Melbourne a, a real. Uh Working class growth area with uh, a lot of aspirational elements to it, so that that's just great news, mate. Hey, um, Steve, tell us on a different subject. Uh, the last several weeks, uh, the uh, the topic of the national uh, second division, the B League, the Championship, whatever it ends up getting called, uh, is uh, been front and centre. Uh, tell us w- what's Western United's view on this, and uh, and your expectations of of just how realistic the the current conversation is uh, around uh, getting it up in the the next. Few years, the foreseeable future is probably a better way to explain it.
6: Well, look, I'm not really close to the discussions. And I haven't been involved with, uh, you know, with the process. You know, it's it's only what I read and the media releases that come out. But look, you know, we're football people. You know, we've built this club, uh, and and they're investing more than any other A League club has done to date in facilities and infrastructure for our game. So. You know, we want to create opportunities and I can see that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about pathways for talented young Australian footballers and we need many more teams. Obviously, we need to expand the A-League as well. And I think the owners have made no uh, secret about their intentions to, to grow the competition, but also it needs to be underpinned by a very strong second tier. Now, you know, I, I don't think the the NPL maybe the structure is working at the moment. But you know, if there's an opportunity to, to create a, a second division where it's it's you know probably got a lot more investment, so that the training and, and the quality and and uh, the uh, the competition that young Australian footballers can play in is is a lot higher than there's no doubt I'm all for it. You know, obviously the, 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 the next question you probably follow along is, is around promotion and relegation. Um, you know, that, that's a separate topic that, you know, will probably take time. You know, I think the establishment of a second division needs to make sure it's, it's, it's funded well, uh, and it's, um, you know, it's secure and, uh, and can, you know, can hold its own over, over a long period of time, Um uh, and when the clubs are, are ready, then that discussion can be had. Now,
1: yeah, before we let you go, Steve, just a quick question on uh, the park. Uh, obviously, a, a incredibly f- successful first season, uh, a whisker away from making the, the the decider. But this year, you've you've been involved in in the best game of the season so far from pure entertainment <laughs> point of view against not, Perth.
6: Hey, not for, not for me, guys.
1: That's for sure. <laughs> hey <laughs> mate, you <laughs> won. <You> Great <laughs> <is fantastic enough. laughs> at least. But uh, you know. Uh, Ninth on the ladder, a game in hand against probably half the clubs above you on the ladder and two ahead of Central Coast. There's a long, long way to go. Um, uh, You've got a a great squad, um, celebrated Andrew Durante's milestone, 400 games uh, uh, recently. Obviously, expectations are to be in the, the top four rather than the bottom four, mate
6: yeah look no doubt you know and and i agree we do have a very strong squad we've recruited well we've we've topped up in areas that we needed to and and i think we've played some great football this this season already you know well, we were unlucky against melbourne city in our second game um obviously you know the game you were talking about i think will be di- will be discussed for for many many a year um and then you know the game against victory well you yeah. know Obviously, I don't want to go into mm. um, you know that in too much detail, um, but I thought we played some outstanding stuff. You know, hit the post, had two goals disallowed. So, you know the you know it's you know you, you don't win the you know, the competition in round four, round five, or round six for that matter. But I think we're really building well, and you know getting players back, and you know uh, you know the players that are getting to full fitness. It's been a it's been a tough preseason, I think, for most A League clubs in in. You know, not knowing what's going to happen and, and not being able to play competitive matches in, in a pre-season as as normal, so. You know, I think um, now we're on we're on the right path, and uh, it's going to be an exciting year for sure for our football club.
1: Hey, Steve, it's been fantastic talking to you, mate, about the, the positive news around the club, and uh, we'll watch uh, with interest how the uh, the team goes on the park. And we fully expect that uh, things will will turn around, and uh, they will end up making the finals. But uh, we'll watch this space, mate. Steve, thank you so much again, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon.
6: Thanks, guys. My
1: pleasure. Director of football at Western United, Steve Horvath. Uh, a, a, a prominent voice and a very uh, uh, powerful voice. And, and uh, a well, guy that always.
2: He's, he's got everything in the game, hasn't he? He's yeah, been yeah. a player at the highest level. He's played internationally, mm. uh, overseas. He's now been an administrator. He's mm. a, a football person through and through. You can't mm. doubt his uh, motivations or his his love and passion for the game. And, mm. and I just congratulate him because he put his reputation on the line and uh, he got this thing up with a group of people that backed him and
1: and uh, I, I just hope uh, they're successful for, for him mm. and for the west of Melbourne. Exactly. And as blokes in the media, there's one thing we love is someone who gives a, a straight and clear answer rather than just batting back stuff. So great, Steve. All that. Okay, stick around. After the break, we're going to go back to Europe. It's been a massive week. Um yeah, Liverpool. What's going on there? Michael, you're just sitting there like the cat that got the cream after uh, the results of the last 48 hours. We'll talk about it more. It's a great Premier League season, Rob. It is. With Dean and Derek on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe-
1: the Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial yes, This is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We've talked plenty of Europe in the show so far. We will talk some more of it in a moment with Derek and Dino. But... We want to talk first of all about our friends, of course, at Chemist Warehouse. Make 2021 your year with Chemist Warehouse right now. Get a massive 35% off the entire Wagner Vitamins range. That includes Wagner CoQ10 150 100 capsules. You need energy, you need CoQ10 for 2209. Super bio magnesium. You want to sleep, you want to relax. That's what magnesium is all about for $9.09. Fish oil, good for everything. 400 capsules, $9.74. That's the super bio magnesium and fish oil. Also new to the range, vitamin B3. D3 that is, 1,000 IU, 500 tablets for $15.59. And turmeric, 33, 33, plus 100 capsules, only $12.99. You'll also find Nicobate. You want to quit smoking? You need some Nicobate, 4 milligram gum, 250 pieces or minis, 120 lo- lozenges for $39.99 each. Nicorette Quick Mist, Cool Berry or Fresh Mint triple pack, $52.99. And Nicobate, 21 milligrams, 14 milligrams, 7 milligram, clear patch, 7 pack, only 29 dollars And the Nicotin L range for $16.49. So you want to quit smoking, invest some Nicobate, Nicorette, Nicotine L. It's all there at Chemist Warehouse. Lowest prices, gentlemen, every day. So Derek... um I'm waiting for the comments from you. And uh, Edge has already uh, come off the long run as well. Um, is Liverpool season's over, according to you?
7: Yeah, I think quite possibly. I was listening to that just then, Rob, and maybe you should get some magnesium for some uh, <laughs> some rest and some relaxation as well, because watching Liverpool at home, you're definitely going to need it. I would say, um, Dino, we've got twenty odd games to cover in the Premier yeah, League um but just quickly on deadline day or the fact probably the least exciting deadline day of all time there really wasn't a lot of movement going on just a few loans
5: i think it's because of the covid and the financial implications for all of the club so i think you know the loan the loans most probably are the best way to go because you know obviously it's for only a certain period and you can always send them back but as long as they hit the ground running and do a job well then obviously then that uh, figures them for possibly a a longer-term spell when they they sign them.
7: The biggest headline I saw was that Watford, under-23s, had signed two players called Bergkamp and Pochettino. And yes, they are the sons of Dennis Bergkamp (laughs) and Maurizio Pochettino. So have a look out uh, for Watford in the coming years. Uh, Arsenal, I think, did some good outsourcing of their players. So a couple of young yeah. players are going to get some much-needed uh, loan-time Joe Willock, for example, and uh, finally got rid of Scodran Mustafi. He's going to join that nightmare at Schalke, and probably the most busy were Liverpool, signing two defenders that I'd, I'd never heard of um, and they didn't start yesterday in the one-nil uh, defeat to Brighton.
5: Let's that.
7: yeah, a boy from Preston, Ben Davis and Ozan Kabak. I, I can't wait to hear a, a scouser saying Ozan Kabak in that accent. That'll be <laughs> that'll be classic. But um, Dino, let's make let's make no mistake. Brighton absolutely deserve to win this game. No,
5: they do. I mean, look, look, they're in a great run of form at the moment. I mean, they've took a few scalps, and if you if you look at the league table, like. Uh... You know they were right up to their neck in it, and all of a sudden now there's, there's daylight of um, of ten points. You know, um, I know Fulham have got a game in hand, but I don't know if that's even going to help them. But I think um, I think they're a hard Well, We always knew he was a good coach, um, and even what he did with the, the goalkeeping situation. You know, he was he, he was quite brutal with that. So, and you know, and obviously it was one of our, you know favourite sons type of thing, but. Um, I think he's doing a fabulous job, and if you're looking at it now, you just, you just they might climb even up to halfway in the, in the table. So it's a, it's a great story.
7: Rob, Liverpool were playing with a makeshift defence and a goalkeeper, but they only conceded one goal. And even with that, you would expect a team with the quality on the field to beat Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, what are you? What are your reflections? It's the attack that's the problem, not the defence.
1: Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. They they can't score at home, um, and uh, and they're conceding uh, despite the fact that um, you know they uh, still have uh, um, a quality defence with um, Virgil van Dijk out. They don't have a world class defence, and uh, it's the likes of uh, of Mo Salah, Sadia, Mane, Roberto Firmino, and and they're just unable to put it in the back of the net. Um, we were talking off air um, in. Uh, um, our chat to, to Steve Horvat, uh, who we spoke to before the break about the uh, the impact of uh, of no crowds and and. I was just saying to him that I, that I couldn't believe that if there had been a full crowd in the cop, that Liverpool wouldn't have at least pulled back uh, the equaliser in that game. But they, yeah, they they just look uh, um, lethargic, didn't they? Uh, and and that was coming off the back of some good results in the, in the previous week or so that gave you some hope. So, uh, look, I'm not prepared to write them off just yet, um, but uh, it's obviously going to rely on uh, on Manchester City to uh, to stumble. Next game for Liverpool, Rob. Yeah, well, look, I guess that's the thing. Uh, I, I, I think that stumble uh, uh, is, is just that, um, that uh, far away and, and I, I just really don't know whether um, they're capable of, uh, of, of getting the job done against uh, you know, the, 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 the favourites for the competition right now. Pep Guardiola seems to have all the answers for all the clubs and, and that's without uh, the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero. I mean, they're, they're, their defence um, has been uh, the equal to their attack, so just uh, amazing.
7: Dino, we'll move on from City because, to be fair, they're a bit boring at the moment. And by that, I mean they're just relentlessly winning games very, very comfortably. 13 from 13, uh, top of the league with a game in hand. Loads of stories, uh, stuff to talk about with uh, United, though. The most obvious one with Saints is, you know, it's 9-0 again. Um, Do you think that last one came back to haunt them or was there anything different about this particular mauling?
5: No, look, I um, I mean, I saw the, the first morning uh, by Leicester live. You know, it was a horrendous uh, weather down there. And I, and, I was, and I just thought, you know, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then the United one, I mean, to be fair, they had two men sent off for the last whatever period. But I think they scored four goals in that period. But, you know, look, I think from a Man United point of view and for, for the Man United supporters out there, is, uh, they had a ruthless streak in there to go. Well, you know what? We've got the advantage. We're gonna we're gonna knock the nail in there. And and sometimes they've been, you know, guilty of not doing that. So, you know, that could be another another bonus to Man United in in, in their pursuits. And they're not a million miles away from Manchester City. So I still think there's a lot to play in the top four, top six. And I'm really, really impressed with. West Ham United
7: for. well until you, uh, Martial scored his second goal. Um, they were um, it was a different goal scorer for United, and uh, you know they, so the goals are coming from all over the place. So while Liverpool are struggling to get a goal, you know Man United have just got goals sort of everywhere in they the are. team, which will be very pleasing for them. Other lines coming out of this game: Southampton have requested the Mike Dean and lee mason do not officiate any more of their games yeah <laughs> quite a, a, a passive aggressive move do you think that red card was justified in the in the game particularly the the, the one where he looked like he'd pulled back the player
5: i thought there was a couple that were dubious you know was it the one where he just flicked it like the knee flicked and then he went down the Martial yeah, that's one? Right. Yeah, Martial, yeah yeah but for me that's not a penalty no no way no he, he, he was playing he was playing for that they just dropped his leg into it just to just go over
7: Martial knows what he's doing, I think fair enough, like he knows how to win penalties, but I don't think it would have affected the results, Dino. But yeah, it may no, not have not been as much of a mauling with that, that result. They were already down to ten. Um lots of sad news around the Premier League with with social media abuse for players. Alex Jankowicz, who was sent off as um, abused along with, with other players over the last week. And again, I don't know what, what else we can say on this podcast apart from that, you know, it, someone something needs to be done and the people that are doing it are cowards and they need to stop it. Um, no, great. What do we know about, uh, this is one for um, Rob or Willem or... Or Edge. Southampton have got an Australian on the bench, a young guy called Caleb Watts. Do we know anything about him at all?
2: Yes, he's been in the uh, in the academy over there um, for some time. Um, he's been involved in uh, underage uh, football with uh, the junior Socceroos, the Joeys, um, as well as the young Socceroos. Um, and so he's well-known to Australian football. Um, He obviously made his debut in an FA Cup game and that was followed up a week later with a debut uh, in the Premier League. He's a very handy type, uh, highly rated. And um, he was actually big news when he went into the Southampton development program, Derek, because you would understand that, um, that that has a very good reputation. It's really churned out a lot of quality Premier League players. So it's very exciting to see a player of that age profile through and get a debut in the in the Premier League and we wish him the very best and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fast-tracked into the senior
7: setup soon based on uh, the types of performances he's been delivering. Can also play for England as well, remember, Jen, so just watch out. <laughs> um, why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why would you um, want to do that? Dino, you yeah. mentioned the Hammers before. They were great. Jesse Lingard, tell us about him.
5: Yeah, look, he's always had it in the locker. I mean, you know, he's had some good moments at Man United, but then obviously... As you know, changing of the guard and managers and bits and pieces. Sometimes you you're not you know you're not the same flavour as the, the last manager where he had a lot of faith in them. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's in the reserves and playing new team games and stuff like that, We're not even playing at all. So I think he's just gone. I've got to get out of here. And um, and tell you what, what what a debut! What an absolute debut! And and you, and you just know You just think. That How much confidence will he get out of that, scoring a brace? And then he's going, well, when's the next game? Because I'm, I'm ready for it. And I, I think it's just a fabulous addition.
7: The other big one was a huge win for Sheffield United as well. The beat, West Bromwich Albion. They're still way behind, um, <coughs> you know, sixth, uh, 17th place, but they're catching up potentially on the guys above them. And that could still be on. Looking at the games coming up, we covered the massive one of Liverpool versus Manchester City at Anfield. I like the look of West, uh, sorry, Aston Villa and Arsenal. That's got a lot of... Um, there's a lot riding on that for both teams as they try and drive their way up the table as well. Um, Sheffield United's next game will be Chelsea. Um, here you go, Dino. Uh, Rangers are just six wins away from winning the Scottish Premier League title. How I mean, good is it? How, could exactly. you have predicted that at the start of the season?
5: No chance. I mean look, it's I think it's twenty seven games, seventy five points, twenty four wins, three draws, goal difference, uh oh, sixty plus. And you've got Celtic fifty two. Even though they've got the two games at hand, it's it's pretty well over. And six games, I, I mean I think you know, that could be the making of um uh, Steven Gerrard. Stephen Gerard. You know, he's put a marker down, it's gonna be the tenth you know, the tenth one in a row for Celtic and and, and obviously that's disappeared. So um, unbelievable! I, I can't, I can't believe how uh, poor Celtic have been this season.
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, yeah, as, well, as good as Rangers have been, Celtic have not been good at all. So we have to wrap up there. Dino Edge did want me to mention the chaos at Marseille. Andrew Spears Boas has gone uh, for criticizing the club's board. Three hundred fans stormed the training ground. We might have to talk about that another time. And yeah, Rob no, as just unbelievable big problems at Marseille um Rob I couldn't choose between my two handing back stories today um there's a guy who's just signed for Lazio's under 19 called Romano Mussolini and yes he is the great grandson of the dictator Mussolini uh but I reckon you'd change your name wouldn't you (laughs) well there's a there's a good segment I think Colonel Gaddafi's son played in Serie A as well. He did. So I think there's a segment, that's a stoppage time for next week, Dictator's yeah, Sons. Yeah. But the best, <laughs> the, be, the best ones for me was uh, um, th- four goals in 34 minutes in the Dutch League. And they were scored by a man called Jiz Hornkamp. Yes. Uh, Edge, if you could be called Jiz Hornkamp for the day, what would you do? Well, he did um, spurt himself onto the, onto the scene, didn't he? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs>
1: well, let's raise the bar just a little bit, gentlemen. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> All right, Derek, I'm wrapping you up now on that note. Um, I expect far better of you from that than to leave Michael, of all people, with a line where he just <laughs> loved seeing it coming from a million miles off. All right, boys, uh, let's wrap that up there. We'll, we'll continue the conversation on with Stoppage Tom, but we've got a few little things to, to tie up in a, a neat little bow before we wrap this show up. All right, stick around. That's after the break on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you-
1: for Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this
1: could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Sport. You might be listening around Australia, around the world. We welcome every single one of you and we're going to wrap up the show. We've got about all oh, the fourth officials th- signalling seven minutes or so, but there was a story that we all saw during the week uh, over in the UK where Emma Hayes, who is the, the manager of Chelsea Women in the the English Super League. She labelled an insult suggestions that an EFL job would be a step up from women's football. After there was talk around her uh, joining AFC Wimbledon, and uh, yeah, we wanted to just sort of expand on that conversation a little bit. Uh, Ed, you uh, follow women's football more closely than uh, than anyone I know, um, there are examples in this country of uh, of that being a pathway. To various levels of, of football. Well, in uh, what's the your thinking?
2: In, if we if we talk about uh, Australia in the A League, you have Patrick Kisnorbo, who coached uh, Melbourne City's W League team for three seasons. Uh, you have Craig Dean, the current coach of Newcastle Jets, who has coached, I think, four seasons the Newcastle Jets in the W League. So you have um, tangible examples where the transitions happen that way, and then we've got transitions happening the other way. Jeff Hopkins, who's much you know, he's lauded as the Guru of uh, W League coaching He's got the best record of any of the W League coaches um, And he um, He's gone the other way, he used to coach in the National League he used to coach the Gippsland Falcons in the National League um, I think uh, he's even graced um, the Eastern Lions as assistant coach to the great Dean Hennessy at, at one point yeah, in his career
5: right. not a bad appointment was it? Uh,
2: no that's right a very good appointment by Dean Hennessy he just obviously <laughs> needed needed a bit of help in the brain power but um, and Alan Stake obviously um, he's obviously coached uh, in the W League and the Matildas now in the A League so Emma Hayes when she says what she said I think she has every Right to say that And uh, it probably In her mind Is a step down To coach League one Men When she's coaching uh, Probably the uh, Most impressive English women's Football team They play Champions League And perform Very very well But uh, she's got World Cup winners in her team. She's got uh, various national team players in her team. I think the point she made, uh, Derek, was that it's no different. The dynamics of coaching Chelsea's women's team is no different to any of the Premier League team with the types of management issues they front. Um, you know, it might have different, uh, different metrics around people watching the game and so forth, but the management and coaching challenge is equally the same and uh, therefore League One would not be a step up. And I tend to agree with it.
7: Absolutely. And I think obviously there's undertones, you know, it's kind of derogatory towards the women's game and just this assumption that the men's game of any description must be a step up. So I think that's what she was pushing back on as well. The The development of the rapid developments of the female women's football in the world recently has meant that leagues like uh, the league that she's in in england is, is strong uh, as you said she's got one of the top jobs there uh, it, but, but what i would say too in, in terms of where she can go from here i suppose an international job possibly you know leon or one of that maybe go to america that that's probably where you know until she gets to a point where that's it she's at the top of the pyramid um and obviously we know the women's world cup is this you know one of the most watched um sporting tournaments in the world so if she did coach england or australia or the usa in the future that would be an extremely high profile job the only question and i'd throw this out maybe rob can pick it up from here is you know where at which point does a job in the men's game actually become a step up for for Emma Hayes not in terms of profile reputation in terms of salary and in terms of the actual you know just, i suppose the significance of the games that that, that she's playing in when where does that come and is there any prospect that she could even make that jump
1: well i'm not going to plead um, the fifth on this but i'm going to handball to Dino because uh, you know he's really the guy that's got the uh, the skin in the game at the football level uh, what do you reckon dino i don't want
5: to be controversial here because I've got a a lot of time and a lot of respect for the women's game but I I think for, for any woman uh, to walk into say a league one or two and working in that environment, I mean I know you've got Sunderland in there so like that's a big club but the actual fact that a woman manages it now I know we can go back and you just have to look at the situation with what's happening with black players around the world, it's, it's the same situation, you know there's there's a stigma with it. And it should not be like everyone should be equal. But I think it would be a very hard job. And then I think looking back at where she is now, as an unbelievable organisation in the women's game, I think that's her best route forward, is going like to become the national coach for England. And all going to America and, and having an unbelievable profile as a woman, women's coach.
2: We have female CEOs of corporations around the world. We have female we leaders of government, prime ministers, presidents, call them what you yeah. like. We have uh, females, uh, heads of police forces. We have yeah. females the heads of um, in, get, serving the military. Um, there is no reason why a woman cannot be successful as a... Coach. Now, if you were talking to the equality warriors, um, they would say the barrier is the um, attitude of men in positions of power who do not give women an opportunity. Um, uh, my personal opinion is there is no reason a woman couldn't be a successful coach uh, at the highest level if they have the right talent, the right uh, resources background, resources, them. support, and um, Initiative, motivation and buy-in from everybody uh, involved that that makes a club great So I just have to agree to disagree with what you're saying there, Dino No,
5: no, but I I can come back on that Why hasn't it happened?
2: Because of the entrenched point of view of the masculine nature of men's football There's just not been a there's just not been the environment that uh, that has enabled uh, someone to to get that opportunity.
1: Well, gentlemen, so when, I don't so think when, the thing is so that Dino. I'm sorry to jump in when, on you when, there, brother, but uh, we uh, we should have given ourselves more time to flesh this We'd conversation. We am Dino. Well, we've almost Dino, run out I'll of time. Give you a call on
2: the way home, and we can we can go hammers <laughs> for tongs off the radio <laughs> on this one. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm
5: respective of women. I mean, I'd love them to be managers, but I just I could just can't see how it works. Just with with the state um, especially in England i just think poor i mean uh, i think she's in the right place and and i would stay at chelsea because it's uh well, there's a
1: lady been running the show over there for a, a little while and uh, um, she's uh, got a few miles left in the tank before uh, she puts the queue in the rack, uh, old QE2. So um, let's just wait and see if uh, <laughs> it, been it will eventually show. happen. We uh, love
2: it too. So Dino loves Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, he does. He's a, he's a He'd love to have a cup of tea with her. <laughs>
1: her. All right. Hey, Dino, thanks, mate. Walk um, the corgis. All good. Yeah, Walk the corgis, Dino. He would do that.
5: Yeah,
1: I like the corgis. <laughs> uh, Derek, thanks, mate. Yeah, enjoyed that discussion, chap. So let's pick that that one up again for sure. Yeah, I think so. Willem, well done, and uh, Damo on the buttons. Uh, fabulous, fabulous job. as always. is the uh, is the word of the night, Rob. It is the uh, the narrow Verdi, the green and black of Sassoulo, who also just happened to be Western United. Thank you. The cryptic question at the top of the show, if you case you were <laughs> listening. All right, stick around. Thanks, Michael. Um, we'll go. Thanks,
2: Robin Willem and, and Derek and Dean.
1: We will do this all again,
2: and we'll go from one end of the pitch to the other. On.
1: In the world game on Box to box, Box. Correct.